It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Golazo, Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. Joining me this week is Manu Fett. Manu, how's your week been? Uh, Bryce, it's been so nice. It's long Easter weekend, um, sleeping in, eating too much food. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. I, I like Easter. How about you? How's your Easter weekend been? Yeah, it's been lovely, hasn't it? You know, it's always nice to have a few days. Um, well, a few days break. I'm sure uh, you'd probably say that there was still football, so there's still work to be done. But uh, it's nice. Just everyone's relaxed and, you know, we can uh, enjoy well, over in the UK some uh, dreary weather um, as always. But um, at least four days where we don't have to uh, maybe get up as early and head mm. into work, you know. So it's, yeah, it's been very nice things. And it's good. I think that um, domestic football has returned. I mean, as much as we've had some very interesting and um, plenty to talk about um, international friendlies, I think it's always good to get back to uh, domestic stuff, isn't it? I like the international friendlies, Bryce. I enjoyed them. Yeah, that, that, probably because there's less work for you, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. and, um, no, I actually also, well, it depends. This is, this is actually something we asked our users, right? How they feel about it and. A lot of people said they don't like him. Um, a lot of people said they liked him. And a lot of people said it depends on who plays. And I think we were, we were quite a, we were treated really nicely during this international break. We got some really interesting games. I mean, we talked in great length, um, last week about the Germany Brazil game, right? On the game pressing podcast. Mm-hmm. And Germany played Spain, which was probably one of the best friendlies I've ever seen, um, in my entire life. But then we also had, uh, Russia against Brazil and, uh, Russia against France. That was really interesting. And you went to a really interesting game, uh, Colombia against Australia. So I feel like when, you know, when it's an interesting pairing, then an international friendly can be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think this is one of the few international breaks, uh, that's, that I, I think people have actually got, uh, more enjoyment, um, that, than maybe others. Um, I, I do agree that uh, with Spain and Germany playing, that that was fantastic, wasn't it? The the pace that that ball was being moved around. I mean, I think you'd be hard uh, to argue that one of those sides isn't going to be the side to go on and win the World Cup. I mean, just squad depth's fantastic. The, the technique and ability of those players is unbelievable. I mean, Spain seemed to play about five number 10s and Germany just pressing everything. It, it was fantastic. Very interesting games, wasn't it? And uh, we'll obviously get to the El Tre once uh, in a moment, but um, yeah, I mean, I went to Colombia versus Australia, of all things. One of the guys in my work is Australian. We all said, well, why not? Why not go to that at Craven Cottage in London? And I, I'm capacity is of Craven Cottage, but I'd say probably about 20,000. There was like 15,000 Colombians there. It was unbelievable. 
and just it, it was like it was like going abroad. The atmosphere was electric, and it was nil nil, and it was still probably one of the best live experiences I've I've, I've ever had. You going to a football game, so um, mm. so yeah, I do think we were spoiled a little bit. Um, yeah, you had I, some I, great I, pictures on Instagram that are on on Football Grad, uh, the Football Grad yeah. Instagram that you shared. Oh, just in, that, incredible scenes. Oh yeah, just a party atmosphere. I mean, they just loved it. I mean, some of the player or some of the uh, fans uh, stormed the pitch at the end. And I, I, I think just the security staff at Craven Cottage just hadn't anticipated any of this, and they just went, "Well, what exactly are we going to do? They're they're all stormed the pitch right now. There's only a few of us, you know." So, so they just let them go at it. It was it was a real carnival atmosphere. It was it was fantastic. Um, I think I'll have a little soft spot for the Colombians when they go into the mm-hmm. World Cup, just because I know their fans are going to be there having a great time. But let, let's talk about El Tre then. Let's move to Mexican football. And, uh, well, we'll start off with the first uh, friendly. Uh, Sario took his team um, to, to playing Iceland, which they managed the 3-0 victory, a rather convincing one as well. And Manu, you were singing the praises of uh, Chucky Lozano. He's, he's had quite the season, hasn't he? Uh, his first season in Europe, with, um, which has led to him being linked to other sides, but we'll get to that all in good time. But um, yeah, rather convincing 3-0 victory. And as we all know, Iceland aren't exactly uh, pushovers, are they? They've, they've been a very well-organized side in the past, a, a tricky side for, for most, especially the likes of England. And, and yeah, I, I think that's, um, a, well, a, a result that uh, Osario can be pleased with um, now that we're um, approaching the final few months before the World Cup. Yeah, the Iceland result was, was excellent. I mean, Iceland is, is at the World Cup, right? They, they qualified. And I think um, I was talking to Oli, about a week ago, on our last, on our last episode, that you know these friendlies, they were um, they were scheduled to simulate Mexico's two opponents, um, two of Mexico's three opponents, and at the World Cup, one of them being Germany, uh, and we we sort of thought that Croatia would be the simulation for Germany. The way they play is very similar, and then of course Iceland uh, is supposed to simulate um, Sweden, right? Two Scandinavian countries, and uh, there's a big Swedish influence in the way Iceland are set up as a national team. I believe Lagerbeck was the coach there for a very long time. So Iceland was the simulation for Sweden, and I guess that test went really well. Um, you know, fantastic game, and the, we're speaking about a great atmosphere. You know, this game took place in Santa Clara in California, and Santa Clara is just north of San Francisco. It's part of the um, San Francisco metropolitan region on the Bay of San Francisco, a beautiful stadium, Levi Stadium, which is the home of the San Francisco 49ers, um, American football team, right? And they filled the stadium price. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, the amount of people that came out to watch Mexico play in the United States. Um, saw many tweets following this game that, you know, Mexico is now officially the United States, uh, biggest team, soccer team. Um, and it's hard to argue against that, right? When you have in the excess of 72,000 people come and visit a friendly. And this is not Mexico playing one of the biggest countries that they were playing Iceland. That's, that's incredible numbers. And then on the top of that, they played a fantastic game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to sell out, you know, a, well, a rather large stadium like that, you know, it's, it's just incredible. And, me mentioning that you know, the the Colombians uh, while I was there, it was so much of a carnival, a bit of a party atmosphere. I can only imagine it was something similar at the Levi Stadium uh, for this game. I mean, 
with the U.S. maybe not being at the World Cup, I, I still think that there's going to be enough, a lot of tickets uh, purchased uh, for the World Cup uh, there because it's it's so popular, you know, amongst um, I, I suppose maybe the the people there which have uh, you know Latin backgrounds, you know, in a, you know it's a you know the the Latino com- countries are extremely fond of their football in fact football is is you know in their blood you know it's um and i think that just goes to show that even when a, a friendly like this comes up you know they're, they're taking it just as serious and you know they're, they're maybe getting the whole family out so i mean even when i went to the columbia game they were they were um facetiming and you know at half time some of their uh, family back in columbia it's it's just fantastic and i think the same goes for uh, mexico and there's going to be a strong contingent isn't there over in russia i, I think all these uh, allegations about how it's going to be over there, I don't think that's going to affect uh, the Mexican uh, fans uh, wherever they're based around the world. I think there's going to be an awful lot of them there. Yeah, it's that's an interesting topic. I mean, uh, we, we looked at the attendances in Santa Clara and in Arlington and um, for the second game against Croatia, the, the, the game that Mexico lost against Croatia's B team and um, you know, yet they were still, you know, they managed to sell a hundred, over 150,000 tickets for those two games. It was, it was remarkable. And, um, the numbers, of course, um, in Brazil, the U.S., uh, U.S. was one of the biggest contingents in terms of fans traveling to the United States, uh, to Brazil, um, to attend the World Cup. Um, 200,000 tickets were, um, were purchased in the United States for the World Cup. Uh, the number is down, of course, um, which is to be expected. <laughs> Uh, it's an article in the New York Times claiming that um, the number is down because of um, the concerns with Russia. Um, I don't quite see that, Bryce. I think the, one of the big reasons why the numbers are down is because, you know, guess what? The United States didn't qualify for the tournament. Um, yeah, that might be a factor. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, they completely ignored the biggest factor of them all in the article. So um, I guess it happens. But they still sold 87,000 tickets. Uh, in the United States for for this World Cup, which makes them the to put this in perspective, that's the tenth biggest contingent. Uh, the biggest one is of course Russia, the host nation, um, which usually is the case, right? The host nation is the country that sells the most tickets, you know, domestically. And then the second biggest contingent is actually going to be Germany, which is also not a surprise. It's very easy to fly from Germany to Russia. Um, I have done it myself many many, many times. Um, with all the work that I have done in Russia over the last, I mean, I've been traveling to Russia now since 2003 on a regular basis. And, um, I can tell you pretty much all the airports and everything and how to get there, et cetera. And it's very easy from Germany. So I can see why a lot of Germans would go to this tournament because it's very accessible, right? So that makes sense. But still 87,000 tickets sold in the United States and that makes them the 10th largest contingent and it's interesting, Bryce, because when I was at the Confederations Cup last year, the U.S. actually had the largest contingent of tickets sold. Hard to believe, hey? And um, yeah, and most of the Americans, and I met a lot of Americans, and I have to say Americans, you know, in quotation marks, because they all were Americans that had um, a Latin American background, you know, born in maybe in Brazil or Colombia. Lots of the, the Chileans... Um, I think there were 40,000 Chileans in in Russia supporting Chile, but a lot of them are actually U.S. citizens. You know, they, they live in the United States and then travel over. So it's really interesting how there is a really large contingent of uh, football supporters in the United States, but 
a large percentage of them is Latin. So that maybe also puts the, the number into perspective for the 200,000 tickets sold in Brazil. I reckon half of those tickets went to Latin Americans living in the United States, right? Because they, they, the only thing that matters is your passport and where you purchase the ticket from. They don't actually track, um, which team you support, right? So that's, that's an really interesting number. So 87,000, um, it's almost half of what they manage, uh, for Brazil, even though the tournament is a lot further away and the United States didn't go. So I guess all those 87,000 tickets that they have sold, they, they must be all people supporting teams like Colombia and Mexico. A lot of, lot of Mexicans, I reckon, will go over. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, there's uh, obviously a large, large percentage of, um, of Americans that, that do have, uh, you know, Mexican uh, heritage. And yeah, I, I mean, as we said to you, they, they love football. You know, it's, um, it's going to be a uh, no doubt that, you know, they, they might be living in the U.S., but traveling to Russia when it comes to the World Cup, you know, and uh, you, you might even find that, you know, there, there's uh, different people that have been grown up maybe supporting the U.S. and the Mexican side because they're a bit divided as to where they've been brought up or they've got Mexican family. And they might say, well, if the U.S. aren't going to go there. I'm still going to go and support, you know, the the team that my family come from, you know, so it's, it, you know, they, they love it. And I, I think they wouldn't turn away this opportunity to go and support El Trey, um, you know, during the World Cup. And uh, I'm excited for them. I'm, I'm still hopeful that they can get through the group. But um, let, let's talk about that, that other um, friendly uh, where they managed to take on uh, Croatia. We've seen in the, uh, in the first game it was a 3-0 victory with uh, Chucky coming on um, after 46 minutes. And, you know, he, he really did um, attack that back line. He, he really went for it. It was quite exciting. Uh, Marco Fabian, while he maybe didn't have the, the greatest of games, he did score a fantastic free kick. But uh, unfortunately, in the, in the second game, a uh, bit of rotation, and they've managed to lose to Croatia 1-0. Fairly respectable, um, if, if I'm going to say, because Croatia are a very strong side. Um, but Although, Bryce, they, they missed some key I players. Say, yeah. I was going to say, they, they maybe weren't playing their, their strongest side, but... Um, I suppose it's a friendly and you would like to think that Osario will learn from this. Um, you said that he's trying to represent or replicate what, what they may face uh, when they take on Germany. Um, I mean, I, I think those defenders are going to have a uh, plenty of work, uh, for them in, in, uh, in Russia coming up against uh, Germany and that midfield is going to have to be very energetic to, to close down those Germans because, um, mm. that they're, they're, they're going to have a real, um, uphill task um, getting a result against them. Well, we've seen what Germany can do against this Mexico team. If you're not, if you're not at a 100%, right? We saw it at the Confed Cup, where, where Germany had, you know, play, was playing with the B team. We forget, we forget, um, we forget what kind of team Germany sent to the Confed Cup, and yet they still won it um, in the end of the day. Um, something to really keep in mind, and they beat Mexico four-one in that semi-final in um, in Sochi, right? To to reach the final of the Confed Cup and then win the tournament against Chile. That's um, I think if you Osorio and you look at the Croatia result, and um, yes, he rotated heavily as well, but uh, he, he, I think it'd be a little worried 
Um, especially when you look at how Germany played against Spain, because I reckon that was, that was close to the Germany starting 11. And, um, that was a game that was on a nice edge between two teams on the highest level. And, um, I kind of fear for everyone in that group when it comes to playing the German. And I'm not saying that because I'm German. It's just some seeing the way Germany has been playing when they really want to play. I think that Brazil, friendly, is something that we can completely ignore because that was a B team and they were they didn't take it quite as serious. But that Spain, friendly, I think if Sweden, um, Sweden, Korea, and uh, Mexico look at that friendly, I, I think it's quite fearful because um, that's two or three levels up from that Croatia side, Bryce. And um, I think Germany will have um, will, will have a fairly easy time in this group, um, to be quite frank. Yeah, I. I... Couldn't agree more. Uh, I mean, Eltre, I don't see why they can't get through the groups. I, I think they're a better side than, than Sweden. Uh, I think they're a better side than uh, South Korea. But uh, Mexico oh, just just can't compete for the likes of uh, Germany. But not many nations can. You know, I, I think Spain can compete with them. I don't think Argentina can. I don't think Brazil can. Um so I mean, who who does that leave, really? You know, so I I think that it may be that they'll have to just con- concede that first place and get getting through the group. You'll finish in second. I think Asari will take that. You know, I I think he'll he'll take that and um, look forward to getting to the knockout phase. You know, um, and I I think they've got a squad that we've seen over the both match days that a squad that's you know can go go further in it. You know, if they get a bit of a luck of the draw. When it comes to the knockout phase, you know, I can't think of go one or two steps further, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think once you, once you're through, then everything can happen. I guess we pretty much know the squad now, don't we, Bryce? I would say, I would reckon about 18 players of the, the squad, the 23 man squad. It's pretty decided, isn't it? When you, yeah, when, I, when you go I, through the I, list. I, I think, yeah. I, do, I can't see there being many surprises, really. I think it's going to be more down to who's fit and available, you know, uh, because obviously in the next few months, you know, some players will pick up knocks, you know, and you just hope that they don't come to players like uh, like Marco Fabian with the ability that he has. We've seen him score some outrageous goals, um, well, over the last few years, I suppose, you know, whether it's been in, in Germany, Mexico, or for El Trey. Remember that fantastic goal he did score against Germany? Uh, uh, quite the consolation, I know. But, you know, if he can stay fit, like uh, Vela, who uh, you know, has tremendous um, technique and ability, uh, Chucky Lozano, I mean, these are all players that they're going to need to stay fit. And I, that will be the only way that things will maybe have to be shaken up, I think, in this squad. I, th- I think it's 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 looking fairly obvious at this stage. Uh, I'm sure you agree, or is, is there anyone that you think can maybe push to get in that you can think of off the top of your head? Yeah, maybe Jonathan Gonzalez, the the young Mexican, um, but you know maybe he's too young to be taking on this tournament. He's um, not in the 100% list, I would say. Um, there's a lot of positions in midfield that, that seem to be taken. You know, you, you look at... Um, you look at Guardado is taken, Fabian, Herrera, Jonathan Dos Santo, Aquino, um, Javi Hernandez, of course, Vela. These are, these are all names that I want 100%. Hearing Lozano as well, of course, right? Um, so the, Chicharito. Chicharito, yeah. Um, so, I mean, this, this is, these are, these are names that we know. Uh, Corona, um, 
is another one, right? We know he's going to be on this. Then in defense, of course, Moreno, Layun, Reyes, Gallardo, uh, Talavera. Um, we know the, the keepers pretty much. Um, I think there isn't really isn't that many question marks anymore on the side. Uh, maybe Salcedo and Araujo. We don't know if they're going to be fit in time. Although I I heard from the Frankfurt side of things that yes, the Bundesliga season is over for him, but he will probably be fit enough for the tournament. So that's you know that's that's good news, I guess, for them. Lots of great news if you're Eintracht Frankfurt, but that those kind of things happen. Um, and then maybe maybe question marks um, over the likes of uh, Rodolfo Pizarro, Jurgen Damm, um, Pineda. Uh, Jonathan Gonzalez, we've already mentioned, and um, Jorge Hernandez, um, Eric Gutierrez, and uh, Omar Gobea, of course, who Oli really likes, right? Um, he plays for Moscron yeah. in Belgium. Um, he's been, uh, those are question mark players, and uh, it's so much depends. There's, like, we're still three months away. Someone just needs to misstep and uh, break a leg, and then all of a sudden your squad squad place is free. A lot, a lot of things can happen, um, but I think we sort of have a pretty good idea of some of the names that will be in this tournament and we will feature um, in one way or another. Um, yeah, so I think I think we, we sort of know, um, but we probably don't know is what kind of formation they will use because Osario um, uses a different formation all the time, doesn't he? Yeah, that's it. I, I just hope that uh, Osario has in that book of his, um, his, his preferred formation because to anyone else, well, it could be anything, right? You could you could draw the formation out of a hat, couldn't you? And just uh, then throw the players into the positions. Uh, I I hope that he's got some type of uh, you know can make some sense of uh, the, the the madness that is the uh, the rotation um, of formation that that he has going on. But maybe maybe he'll pull out something special, eh? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he's got it all up in that head of his. Uh, but uh, yeah, I suppose that more or less does it for El Trey. Um, there'll be plenty more to talk about as the months go on leading up to the World Cup, I'm sure. But um, let, let's talk about some of those uh, Mexicans abroad. Um, we, we've mentioned Marco Fabian a bit and Chucky Dezano. Let, let's talk uh, a bit about them. Um, Marco Fabian has obviously not been the luckiest of players when it's come through injuries uh, in his time in, in Germany. But um, last year, Frankfurt really depended on him when he wasn't in that side. They they looked like they didn't have much to offer. But this year's been a completely different Eintracht Frankfurt side, um, less reliance on him. Which um, some people would say, does that mean that they don't need him? I wouldn't say that at all. I think they definitely need him. He's, he he came on um, yesterday, didn't he, uh, Manu? Obviously, you and I have a keen mm. uh, interest in the Bundesliga, but he came on yesterday and. He, he was the, one of the liveliest players on the field. You have so much energy and so much to him. And uh, you and I were messaging backwards and forth. Uh, I couldn't believe the uh, assist that he managed to pull off. This ball knocked into the into the box. So it took him out wide. And he um, he first time just backheeled it, but with almost like a flick up into the air and set it up for, for a volley in the middle. And just, uh, an outrageous assist. And it seems like he's hitting full fitness and a bit of form just at the right time for El Trey and I suppose for Frankfurt as they go into the uh, latter stage of the season. Yeah, and the thing is, Marco Fabian is he was um, a little bit on the French and he's, there has been some concerns about his fitness. Uh, Freddie Bobic and sporting director Freddie Bobic and head coach um, um, Nico Kovac, of course, 
he they both suggested that if he doesn't pick up his form soon, he could be on his way out at the end of the season, right? Because they are expecting a lot more from him than what he has shown in in recent months. And um, I guess that was the impetus that he needed because he was a lot livelier in that second half. Um, uh, seemed fitter, I guess. The time playing for Mexico also helped, you know, go home or go to the United States and hang out with uh, your buddies. Mexican bodies and um, play there. I think that that gave him a bit of freshness and um, sometimes sets your head right, right? And um, yeah, the, the build-up play, that the creation and uh, the pass to Boateng, that then lead to the back heel and to the goal scored by Jovic. Um, remarkable build-up play. Really, really great, great stuff. And uh, the stuff that they expect from him in Frankfurt. And I think it could be sort of, you know, a good time for him to kickstart his career. Frankfurt, of course, uh, pushing for that for the Champions League spot, uh, they lost to Werder Bremen, which is doesn't sound great, but Werder Bremen have been one of the most informed teams in the second half of the Bundesliga season. They've been searching up the table. So, you know, this was a game that we previewed, actually, on Fußballstadt.com, right, Bryce, and uh, suggested that this would be one of the games to watch on the weekend. And it was. It was a fantastic game to watch. So, uh, good good stuff from Fabian. And then it's looking like um, he's he's got the message um, that Kovac and Bobic sent him. Yeah, it definitely does, doesn't it? Um, I, I think it's going to be an interesting end to the Bundesliga season and um, it could be a very interesting uh, end to it for uh, for our friend Marco Fabian as well. Uh, let's just see how well uh, Eintracht have done. They've had a, a very good season, haven't they? Uh, but um, I suppose we're, we're still going to talk on the theme of, uh, of German football as well here when we mention that Chucky Lozano, who um, was linked to uh, many a side uh, back in January, uh, Arsenal being one of them, uh, you know, after a fantastic first half of the season in Europe at PSV. Uh, but um, he's been linked with Borussia Dortmund now, uh, just um, as of today. I, I mean, Manu, you and I said that, um, you know, when he moved over that way, that, um, you know, we, we thought it was a good transition, you know, going from Mexican football to the Eredivisie is going to break you in a little bit. They like their attacking football. It's not at too high a level that you're going to be sitting on the bench or too much of a shock to the system. It's going to let him introduce himself to Europe. And, and he's really taken that on board, hasn't he? I, I think he set some records. Like he's got the most amount of goals um, in his first so many games, uh, I think, uh, for, for a foreign player, uh, which uh, beats the likes of, you know, uh, Brazilian Ronaldo and even Suarez back in the day. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I mean he's, he's had a fantastic um season so far and I suppose the question is uh, do you think there's any truth in it uh, do you think it'd be a good move for player and for club now more than ever it's important to keep your family's garments free from bacteria fortunately the turbo extreme steam handheld steamer kills 99.9% of bacteria on face masks shoes coats and any other garments they may wear when they venture outside the home it's the most powerful handheld steamer with the turbo setting that quickly smooths away even the toughest of wrinkles. Works great on all kinds of clothes, delicates, shirts, you name it. Heats up fast and gives clothes that professionally press look in minutes. Try it and find out for yourself. Go to conair.com and search Turbo Extreme Steam. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. This was bound to happen, wasn't it? Um, I think this this move would make more sense than keeping Michi Batshuayi, and I think that because having Lozano, he's not an all, he's not an all in out striker, right? But when when you listen back to the game pressing podcast, and I think Chris was quite right pointing out that maybe Dortmund don't actually need to sign a full out striker and use some of the players that they already have in their squad in that role instead, and then bring in someone else to fulfill some of the, the, the roles that are then vacated, right? So um, Chris says that on our game pressing podcast, and then the next day this rumor pops up, um, you know, go figure. Uh, seems to be a smart guy, this Williams character. Um, but <laughs> hearing Lozano, hearing Lozano is, I mean, if you can get him, Bryce, uh, you'd be stupid not to. Yeah, that's he's not going to be cheap. No. It's not going to be cheap at all, you know. But they I mean, sold they sold Aubameyang for sixty five million euros, and they sold true. Dembele for over a hundred million. Oh, I'm I'm not questioning how much money uh, Dortmund have. I'm, I'm more just saying that uh, I think PSV are going to uh, things are going to work out very well for them. I mean, they signed Chucky Lozano for was it twenty one million euros? No, I think eight eight million euros. Oh God, I was really out with that one. Um, yeah, that, that's that's unbelievable then because and uh, it, Pachuca gets twenty percent on any tran- future transfer um, yeah. that is over twenty five million euros. I I don't think Pachuca have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be rubbing their hands together. I mean, I, I was saying that I believe that you if Dortmund do want him because he, I think he would fit in very well there. I th- I think you know we've seen over the years, haven't we? Bruce Dortmund have had very attacking players, but players that like to have the ball at their feet and move it around quite quickly. Uh, they're going through a little bit of a transitional period at the moment, uh, but I think it'd be a, a fantastic uh, addition. And we did mention that if they don't get into the Champions League, that that could be an issue to attract some players, especially with things moving um, at the club, whether it's going to be coaching or playing uh, departments. But I think for it, it, it wouldn't matter maybe if they got into the Champions League. I mean, it would be a, a natural uh, progression for them, another step up the ladder, uh, moving to a, a, a bigger league and a bigger club. And yeah, I think this this could be a great move for uh, for both sides. The only thing is, if he goes to this World Cup and has a sensational time, which you know, why 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 would that not happen? That price tag is just going to soar and soar. And Dortmund could afford it, sure, but. I, I think if if they were wise, they'd be trying to get that deal done sooner rather than later. Would you not? Yeah, no. Any, I think German teams are quite good at this price that they usually get the stuff done before big tournaments because after the tournament, um, you know, it's, it's going to be silly season, um, and um, then it's going to be very expensive. I think this is going to be expensive as it is. You know, Chucky Lozano has a contract and at PSV until um, June twenty twenty three. Um, that's a long time. And then you have to keep in mind that um, that PSV lose twenty percent of anything that uh, anything above twenty five million euros. 
I reckon a player like him would go for about, you know, there's no exit clause, so you will have to negotiate. And um, so, you know, anything anywhere between around 40 million euros, which is a lot of money um, for Dortmund. Um, they have that money, but, you know, people like Lars Pohlmann, for example, will point out that that is a Bundesliga transfer record or close to a Bundesliga transfer record. Then, but on the other hand, you look at the statistics and he scored 14 goals and 10 assists in 23 area division games, right? He scored a, yeah, goal every, a goal every 135 minutes. And he's not even a night-night striker. No, he's not. If you know what I mean. You know, it's not like he's a poacher. Yeah. So, this, this, I mean, this, this, is, this is something that, um, personally, I think if, if he can, if there is a possibility to get him, they'd be stupid not to. Because that's exactly the player that they need. Um, they don't need a static big forward in the in the center of the park. They need someone who's flexible and, and can move the ball around a little bit, right? So that's why they were going after Lautaro Martinez, um, who they were willing to pay close to 40 million euros for. So I guess that focus has now shifted to to having Lozano. I, I mean, uh, the two of us would be rubbing our hands if that happens because it, it'd be it'd be a great story, and we we have the inside track on this guy. Um, we have been watching him for a long time. We were always hoping he would go uh, into one of the other leagues that we closely follow, right? Um, but yeah, I think if you can get him, get him, do it, do it now. Um, you know, that's, there's, it's, for me, it's a no brainer, uh, for a transfer if you want to target an attacking player. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think he's young enough as well that, you know, it, it would be a, a, a risk worth taking. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be a step too far for him. Will he get those kind of numbers in the Bundesliga? Probably not. But, you know, if, if he gets even half those numbers, you know, with, with a good team around him as well, also picking up goals and assists, yeah, I think it could be a, a, a very fruitful situation for a club and and player uh, alike. So, yeah, and whoever is coaching at Dortmund that time will, will have a lot of fun with him, I think. You know, it's a, it's a very exciting uh, prospect. Right. Well, that covers Mexicans abroad for now, I, I suppose. Uh, we have not much to mention about Chicharito apart from um, his team managed to win at the weekend. <laughs> but uh, he only came off the bench and uh, didn't have the most uh, lively of games. Um, we'll just wish him luck in that relegation battle. But, uh, Mario, I suppose you're going to be covering the midweek games. Before we actually get to Liga MX, let, let's talk about uh, the midweek games coming up uh, where we're going to see MLS taking on Liga MX again. Yeah, and uh, now it's make or break for Major League Soccer. There's a lot of hype about these games and uh, I think they now have to have to show that you know that the hype is justified that um, that they can actually take that next step that Toronto and New York Red Bulls um, you know, we had teams at this stage before we had teams at this stage last season and uh, they were both eliminated. And then, of course, we had a team in Montreal Montreal already in the final. They were absolutely destroyed by Club America. So um, I think now it is, it, it's time for MLS to sort of step up and, and show that the hype is justified. And these are two tough games, right? Uh, Toronto is, we have highlighted in the past that Toronto are the team, the most likely is team that MLS has ever sent to this tournament to win the trophy. And um, they have eliminated Tigers, you know, arguably the best team in this competition. They've already eliminated them. 
Unfortunately for them, they're up against arguably the second biggest team in this competition in Club America and the record winner of this competition, right? So it's, um, I think, um, for Toronto, this is going to be very tough and it's going to be tough for Club America as well. But these, this is a game that, you know, it's, it's going to be on national television over here in Canada. And I think it's, it, there's going to be lots of attention on this game in the United States as well. Um, this is, this is going to be a big clash on Tuesday night, um, 5 p.m. kickoff, I believe, on the, on the, west coast and then uh, 8 p.m kickoff on the east coast so yeah uh, fast it will be a fascinating game in, in toronto at the bemo field yeah absolutely and uh, manner i suppose the question is you know you've you've got a keen eye for mls as well especially where you're uh, based in the world and uh, who do you see uh, coming out on top of this you you say it's been fantastic but uh, you, you, we don't expect score lines you know because we've discovered the last few weeks as ever it's very hard to predict these things but um who do you see coming out on top of this one? Oh. Um, that's Toronto, a very... it, it, Toronto haven't had the best start to an MLS. Yeah, but they're focusing on this competition. They they full focus us on this competition. And they did win on Friday. Um, they... and what, what have Chivas been focusing on the last year and a half? I guess this competition. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair to Chivas, they're, they're on a good run at the moment. Thing, things are... Are much improved, you know. No losses in the last five. Uh, sure, they may have won two of those, but drew three of them. But that that's that's much better than what things had been. Yeah, and I mean they're facing New York Red Bulls, who have been in good form. Um, you know, so that's I think that New York Red Bulls have the easier of the two draws in Chivas. There's a, there's a lot of talk about you know this going to be a classical in the final between Chivas and America. I'm not so sure. I think that one of the Mexican teams will be eliminated. And uh, it will be an MLS Liga MX um, final, but um, and I think that that side is likely to go to be Chivas. That said, we set that about the uh, quarterfinal too, didn't we, Bryce? When they, when yeah, they were yes. when they threw out uh, the Sounders, it's it's a tough one to, to call. I think um, I I have a funny feeling that this could be Toronto's year, um, and uh, I I personally on a personal level I would just find it hilarious if. Uh, the Major League Soccer team that finally wins this trophy actually qualified for this competition, not through Major League Soccer, but through the Canadian Championship. Um, <laughs> I'm just would be very curious to see how American media would handle that. You know, the the team that finally breaks the duck is actually a Canadian uh, team, a Canadian side. Um, I think it'd be very good for for soccer in, in Canada, and um, it'd be really interesting to see how the United States would handle that. And I think they're the likeliest to do it. Uh, to be quite frank, Bryce, I, I think New, New York Red Bulls are an interesting team. They're a young team. They play fascinating football, but I'm not sure if they have the experience um, to go all the way. Yeah, I, th- I think, to be honest, both games could be, uh, or both ties, well, I say, could, could be fascinating. Um, as I mentioned, Chivas picking up a, a little bit of form and uh, Club America, we've seen even domestically, you know, that they are a very strong side their side tough to break down they don't concede a lot of goals um i don't know it's going to be tough um toronto as you said maybe not on the the greatest of form domestically but it's because i've got one eye you know on this competition um we we tried to predict didn't we i mean you did fairly well didn't you in the last round manu but uh ollie and i uh were a disaster at picking who was going to go through so i'll definitely not be saying both the mexican sides will be going through but i can I can see one one of each um, going through. I just don't really know who that'll be. Um, I don't know. It's a tricky one. 
I could I could see both games going out of their way, to be honest. So um, I think we're going to have some entertainment uh, on our hands. But let's talk about things domestically then. Uh, I, t- I suppose take a focus on, on the top of the table where we've seen Toluca. We have now won nine games in a row. Yes, nine games in a row. I don't think anyone would have seen that coming. Leapfrog Santos after a 2-1 win over Lobos. Um, Santos managed to lose to Atlas. A bit of a shock, if we're being honest. They were 3-0 down, and only after they had a man sent off, their two yellows managed to pull two back. Um, So, yeah, I I suppose it leaves it interesting and rather tight at the top of the table um, at the moment. Manu, um, there's only a few points in it. I mean, three points between first and fourth. Do you see Toluca with only three games left? uh, Four games left, sorry. Four games, yeah, do you see them being able to get over the line and um, clinching number one spot? Um, is this a trick question? <laughs> it's a question that I can't really answer, so I'm hoping you can. Um, you know, we don't have the best record on this. I, I, I'm sticking with my t- prediction that Tigers will finish first. Uh, that's that's the one that I had uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm sticking with it. I think the Tigers will finish first at the at the end of the close season, and then um, I I reckon they will win the entire. That's thing. not a that's not a gamble at all. That kind of prediction. I mean, oh, that's that's more a, a safer bet. I would yeah, say. Yeah, I'm sticking with a the, wiser bet. I'm sticking with the safe bets. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's fair enough, really. Uh, but, um, I mean, have you seen the table? You know, so where crews are just. One win away from seventh place. Yeah, I know. It's it's a similar situation with Chivas, who, uh, I mean, Veracruz and Chivas, you know, people would maybe look down on, you know, in the, in the last uh, year or so. But but actually, things are as, as close as they ever are. League MX loves doing a bit of this, uh, don't they? Um, they'd love to having things as, as close as they possibly can going into the into the final few weeks and. This reeks a little bit of Morelia, doesn't it? This time last year where we've seen Rui Diaz uh, get that win uh, or that goal and that win over uh, Monterey, which seen uh, seen Morelia go into the Ligia and manage to avoid relegation. Uh, Veracruz are almost doing their best to set that up for themselves, aren't they? Oh, man. I hope so much this is happening. It'd be just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. You and I sat up. Uh, well, I sat up. It's probably not that late for you, but I sat up to to watch that game, and I couldn't believe it unfold. And one of the, you, you and I mentioned it plenty. That it's one of our, our greatest football memories, and uh, I would love for something like that or something similar, you know, towards the end of the season happen again. Um, whether it was Veracruz stay up or stay down, just that whole drama. You know, brought into the final match day. It's, it's just fantastic watching. And this sounds so bad, Bryce, but I don't think anyone would miss Lobos. No, no I mean, Lobos um, have been very entertaining at times by scoring plenty of goals, but predominantly at home, and then they get absolutely hammered away. But um, they, their defense is shambolic, isn't it? I mean, uh, you just need Oli to come on here and uh, talk about them. I mean, he just, he. You can't take them seriously at all. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's it. I mean, uh, I I personally wouldn't miss them 
if they go down in the end of the day, I, I don't think anyone would miss Veracruz either, to be fair. <laughs> Although uh, we've, we've seen what a run like that can do, right? When they came to um, to Monacas and they, they were late run and uh, staying in the league. They have been a top side ever since. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's completely you know, transformed that side. I mean, Monacos uh, were doomed for relegation. Uh, but then when you've got a striker, a player of that ability, like Rui Diaz, um, you know, who managed to score two goals that day from, from what I can recall and, and, and kept them up. Uh, it's, I mean, last campaign, they, they finished fourth. Um, this one, they're, they're sitting in sixth, but I mean, you know, they've, they've got 20 points and, you know, that means that they could drop out of Ligia, but then they could also climb up and, you know, maybe finish as far as second or third, you know, you, you just can't predict. And uh, would that happen to Veracruz if they managed to um, get a victory, you know, on the last day, um, stay up and uh, go into Ligia? I, I don't know. I don't know whether they've got the, uh, the the players in that in that squad to be able to progress like that, but... I suppose with maybe a, a rather fortunate and lucky transfer window, maybe maybe that that could transform a, a team to, you know, getting into Ligia spots like Monaco's. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, can't really add too much to that. Um, you know, Atlas is it's been sort of a sad story, hasn't it? You know, with the the way they just kind of been collapsing for a couple of years now. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, they had another, uh, they had Romero leave as a mm-hmm. coach again, didn't they? You know, another coach change there. And, uh, and now they've got, uh, an interim coach, uh, in, uh, Gerardo Espinosa, you know, but what the future lies for, for Atlas. I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, there's some suggesting that, you know, Rafa Marquez, he should be um, yeah, the, named player uh, coach. That's an interesting suggestion because I, I you know, we, we kind of kind of glanced over that with the, the L3 selection, right? The question whether he could go to Russia with the ongoing investigation, right? With his supposed cartel links. Um, and, it, I mean, it is interesting because sponsorship, US dollars, all that, he, he, he can't do that, right? Because any company involved with him, um, by the Clinton, Clinton laws, right? Um, the anti-cartel laws that anyone who's linked with his businesses, should he be proven guilty? He's not. I mean, this is, this is something I really need to point out right now. Guilty until, uh, innocent until proven guilty, right? That's the, the premise we have to look at this. But I mean, by the off chance that he is guilty, um, that means any, any company that has done business with him by, you know, going by the Clinton rules could be facing sanctions. You know, that's, that's a dangerous proposition. So uh, for the World Cup, that means that sponsors working with the Mexican national team could be threatened, right? Companies working, uh, you know, we're talking sanctions of any company in Russia dealing with him uh, could be seeing problems and, you know, going by the current political climate that, that would just add to a whole bunch of, a whole, like a long, long list of issues. Um, and by extension to that, could Rafa Marquez become a player coach? Now that opens an entirely different can of worms, doesn't it? When, when you look at the, 
the where they are with the investigation, you now giving him a management role. It's not longer a player contract; it's a managing role. Um, very tricky, I would say. I think it, you know, as long as that investigation is ongoing, I would say that um, that would be a very tricky thing to do. Yeah, I I would say that that would play against him, wouldn't it? Um, how you how he's gonna you know, clear his uh, name over all of this uh, quickly? I I just don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, would he make a good coach? I I, th- I think he's. He's demonstrated over the years, you know, um, what what a bright individual that he is, uh, what um, an influential individual he is on the pitch as well. That it, it, it definitely would suggest that he would make a good coach, um, but obviously, obviously it goes further than those attributes. I mean, we've seen plenty of players good on the pitch, but not being able to progress that off the pitch. Um, getting a, a World Cup call up. I would love it, but um, that's a bit of a, a messy situation as well, isn't it, uh, Manu? And I, 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 we're going to have to see if Osario uh, decides um, that, um, in a sporting fact, that you know he's he's good enough um, and that he needs him in a squad. But I suppose off the pitch, I, I suppose you know maybe the uh, you know the football federation are going to have to look at that and decide whether they're going to allow it or not. It's uh, it's a bit of a, a messy situation. It's a bit bit of a grey area at the moment, isn't it? Which must be rather frustrating for uh, Rafa Marquez, especially if he's um, if he is innocent and um, and is eventually found innocent. It's going to be a little bit of a shame for him to look back in his career and say, "Well, I missed that final World Cup," you know, for something that I, I didn't even or I wasn't even involved with. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that one. Hands it's, it's a tricky one too, Bryce, because like a World Cup is so much about little details. The the problem is that you know you you basically have people um, stuck together for the duration of the entire tournament, well, ho- hopefully the duration of the entire tournament, right? Um, but also four to five weeks ahead of the tournament for the the camps, etc., right? So um, it's little tiny things that can make a huge difference in your preparation. In the way this, the the squad chemistry works out, and you know having an issue like that hanging over everyone's head is is tricky. That's something that really can derail your World Cup preparations. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, Osario may be bringing him into the squad, and then all the media um, and all the fans talking about you know Rafa Marquez and all these allegations um, in the build-up is not exactly the way you'd want to go into a World Cup, is it? Yeah. Um, Let's let's see what happens. I I think um, I I can see arguments either side. I, I suppose for Osario, but um, yeah, let's see how that one pans out. So uh, oh, Manu, we we almost uh, left it. We we were we we're talking about uh, Veracruz and how they were going to set it up for uh, quite the finale, um, hopefully um, again. But um, did did you see the final few minutes in their victory against um, Cholos, where they managed a one nil victory? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I was saying to you, I've, I've, I didn't catch the game un- until the uh, till the following morning. Uh, put on the highlights. Uh, highlights five and a half minutes long. That's fine. Let's watch it. After one and a half minutes, not even one minute fifteen, it skips from the sixteenth minute to the ninety fourth minute. And I thought, oh, there's not much going on here, but there's still three minutes of video left. 
what dramas unfolded. Uh, so the, the ball was knocking around in the box plenty. Uh, next thing, it looks like uh, Veracruz um, have cleared the ball as the keeper comes out and punches it uh, for the for a penalty to be awarded. Then obviously there's no VAR in Liga MX uh, at the moment, anyway. Uh, and so he clatters the defender, but I think the ball was there to be got. Uh, he awards a penalty after two or three minutes discussion with his fourth official and with his linesman. He decides, uh, and this is a minute after play should have ended. He decides, actually, no, I'm not going to award the penalty. And the Fair Cruz fans went crazy. It was like they had scored a goal. And uh, only moments after he uh, blew it up, but um, we had all 22 players in the penalty area giving it large. You know, they, they were all expressing their opinions, whether it was one way or the other. And dull affair, it would seem. But Veracruz will be um, rather happy for the controversy and to pick up those uh, three points. Unbelievable, Manu, eh? <laughs> That's unbelievable stuff. Or at least there was no Russian owner running on a picture of a gun. Uh, you know, this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's always that, though I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Because <laughs> this is a topic that we did have on a different podcast. Um, it's interesting what this does to the standings. It's, um, it's getting close, you know, in the, in the relegation standings and very cruises. You know, we, we joked about how they can, um, sew up the tail now, right? Um, but to put this on, oh man, Bryce, this, this quote, quotation percentage thing. Uh, just gets me every time. So, Veracruz average points in the last three seasons is now 1.0510, right? Um, and Lobos, the team above them, who've only had played one season, right? They only have the, the one full season that goes into the relegation, uh, um, percentage or quotations or whatever it's called. Uh, coefficient. That's the word I'm looking for. Coefficient. Um, have a point average now of 1.0667. It's getting close. It's getting really close. You know, a couple more wins yeah. by Veracruz and, um, my math brain tells me that this thing can be flipped around. Yeah, it really does. Um, Lobos must just be, uh, must be a little bit nervous. They could probably feel, you know, the, the breathing of Veracruz, uh, on their neck as they're chasing up behind them. And this, this, is setting up that it could go to the wire. Uh, very exciting, I think. Um, and Asensio, their uh, season has come to an end. The regular season will be saying, as they have now decided who will be going to the Ligue But, uh, I mean, Manu, I've, uh, it's not like I get to watch that much Asensio, if I'm being honest. I mean, it's it's a stretch to watch Liga MX being over here in the UK yeah. until they, they get it onto the mainstream, uh, I suppose, outlets. But, um, I, I, I tried to to look at the form. I tried to read into it a little bit with the, with the teams that have qualified for Ligia. Which way that's going to go? I mean, for the form is all over the place. I did, I don't think anyone's particularly going into it with any form. So it's mm. it's going to be an, an interesting one to see who um, manages to get to the final. But as we mentioned before, you've got to win the Ligia knockout. Then you've got to compete with whoever won the Ligia knockout in the Apertura. And then the winner of that then faces the team that's bottom of Liga MX. So no. there's a l- no. Is it's, that all right? No, it's not right. It's uh, a straight promotion. Is it? Oh, straight promotion. There we go. I was thinking, God, they've made it really hard for these teams. No, 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 um, no, it's not. No, it's a straight promotion and straight relegation. And then next year, two teams get added. 
right? But we don't have to deal with uh, that yet. Well, we'll deal with that when it comes. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. As time goes on, yeah. you know, the the uh, they'll not even announce um, what way that's actually panning out or what we're going about that. They leave. They like to leave these things um, a little bit uh, in a grey area, I think. But, but it's, um, it's it's a great topic, though, Bryce, because the there is a big yeah. question mark going into the the uh, Clausura Liguilla playoffs in the Asensio, right? And the question is, um, Oaxa won the um, Apertura, so they've already qualified for the the final, right? The final promotion the promotion final. Unless, of course, they win the Clausura as well, then they go straight up. Yes, they don't have to play that yeah. that Super Cup thing. Um, they don't. There's no promotion Super Cup. But, but Oaxa don't actually have a license yet to play in Liga MX, right? That was one of the great question marks that we discussed, uh, I think, weeks ago, whether or not they would actually qualify to play, and they need money to um, renovate the stadium and actually get the license to play. So this is really the big question mark going into this uh, Clausura tournament is whether one of the teams that have a license to play um, in in Liga MX will win the Clausura and then at the same time also beat Oaxa um, in that final, right, to go up. And you know, there's not that many teams that have um, that have. The license, you know, we, we we always talk about six teams, about six teams that that can currently do it, and then of course Waha being a question mark. So it's going to be interesting to see um, which ones of those, if any of those teams um, can do it. And of course, the, 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 these teams that right now that have uh, have been cleared 100%, Waha being a question mark, are Atletico San Luis, Atlante, Celaya, Juarez, Sinaola, and um, um, Leones Nikos from Guadalajara who play in the um, Atlas Stadium, right? So um, some of those teams are in the playoffs and it will be interesting if one of those teams can, in the end of the day, manage to get one of those promotion spots or if or get to finish first again um, if they are going to be able to qualify after all. So interesting storyline happening there in the second division. Yeah, that, that's going to give us plenty to talk about the next few weeks as well. I feel that while we'll be talking about sure Mexicans abroad, we'll also be talking about uh, the domestic football, also the intercontinental, I suppose, uh, football uh, as well. This is going to give us another topic to talk about uh, the Ligia and the promotion um, challenges that these uh, teams have. It's, it's going to be an interesting one to follow as well, as much as um, also whether Veracruz will go down. One final thing, uh, Manu. Um, obviously, you know a little bit about uh, Liga MX, or not Liga MX, well, you do know about that, but you know uh, MLS. But um, one player's going from one to the other, as we've seen um, a transfer from Club America's Quintero, uh, Donald Quintero, going to uh, Minnesota to become one of their designated players, their first ever designated player. Uh, what do you make of the signing? Um, do you think that this is a wise move for them? I mean, t- to be honest, he hasn't really hit much form in the last two seasons. But um, you know, may- maybe a fresh start would do him good. Yeah, I, I, this is this is maybe a little bit of a Minnesota move. The Loons, um, they they expand. They were last season's one of two expansion teams last season, right? And Major League Soccer. The other one being, of course, Atlanta United. That 
made headlines around the world. Um, and Minnesota really did not make any headlines around the world because they were poor, right? And just um, a poor team to watch. And they, they basically thought that they could get away with their NASL team um, that they had that, you know, that was the division below MLS. And um, when they got that expansion slot, that they could basically just play with that same team. And so they need any any help they can get, to be quite frank. And um, whether Darwin Quintero is that help, uh, I'm not so sure. I think they needed something more younger and fresher. But it's a bit of a shoestring team uh, in Minnesota. And they want to do things. They want to build up things um, slowly. Their manager, Adrian Heath, um, you know, wanted a player who can finish things up. So we'll see. Um, judgment is out. We're still very, it's still very young um, in the Major League Soccer season. Uh, my advice to you, of course, is Bryce, you have a fantasy team. I, I game football grad fantasy team, MLS fantasy team. Don't sign them. <laughs> yeah. Spend your money on maybe someone leaders. else. Yeah. <laughs> spend, spend your money maybe on Eberhovenvich or something like this. But, um, yeah, that, that more or less does it for this week's uh, Golazzo podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. We've managed to cover quite a few uh, topics. Uh, we always enjoy uh, hearing from you. So if, if you could uh, get in touch, you maybe drop us a, a line, a topic that you'd like discussed or or um, or, or anything else. Um, you know, we, we greatly appreciate it. Also, if um, you can go over to the likes of uh, iTunes and that and maybe give us a bit of positive feedback, we, we'd also um, appreciate that. Manu, what have you got going on this week? What would you like to draw people's attention to? Champions League's on, I'd imagine. You're going to have uh, your hands full with that. Yeah, Champions League growth in Europe and uh, CONCACAF, so what do the do the Toronto Club America preview today. It will be out by the time the podcast is out. And then, of course, the uh, all the Champions League previews for UEFA will be out um, by the time this podcast is out. They're all on footballstadt.com. Yeah, and then uh, some live reports from the Champions League games. Um, we're covering the Bayern game. Chris Williams is covering the um, Liverpool City fixture. And, um, yeah, I think that's the big headlines. Um that you know, football grad podcast will be recorded tomorrow. Will be out Wednesday. I think that's really much covers the the immediate future. Oh yeah, um, one thing that I want to point out for anyone who reads German, um, I reckon we'll have some people that do. We football grad uh, teamed up with the German magazine Zeitspiel to bring out um, a Russia special ahead of the World Cup. And that magazine is now available at Zeitspiel. De. Um, we also posted that on Facebook. I posted that this morning, so there's a link you can find on there if you're interested in reading about Russia's World Cup. Um, there's some articles by myself and Andrew Flint in there, and a great collaboration between uh, the Football Grad Network and the German magazine Zeitspiel. Wow, fantastic news! Yeah, definitely get involved with that if you're a, a German speaker. Um, until the next time, guys, um, enjoy the midweek games. And no doubt we'll have plenty more to talk about um, next week. There's always plenty to talk about with League MX, isn't there? And that's why we love it so much. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And also you can find out many different articles, uh, reports, you know, previews on at Football Grad Live. Head over to that on Twitter. There's going to be a lot of topics for you to, to read if you just can't get enough of football. But until next week, adios.
It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.